Zero hours. Catherine Mather. Ow! Zero hours. Hello and welcome to Zero Hours Podcast with me, Catherine Mather, where I speak to comedians and creatives about the best and worst jobs they've had to do to get by. Today I'm joined by comedian and writer Spring Day. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm oh, I'm so <laughs> well. <laughs> I could, oh, never I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I like to say that people it freak it really freaks them out. Do you do that? Where you mm-hmm. do, like how are you? I oh oh fantastic. I don't know. I feel like if I said that, I'd have to share whatever I was on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no one just trusts it. <laughs> oh, good. No, no. But uh, I, I. It's funny because I had a coworker a long time ago who you'd ask him, hey, how are you? And he'd be like, what? Like, you don't care. So why should I tell you? And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're like, well, now we live in a society, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is weird, but also great. Finally, someone who gets me. I don't care how you are. <laughs> I know. And it's always nice to know someone doesn't care what you think at eight o'clock in the morning. It's always yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh, I could have come in later. Great, thanks. <laughs> it's fantastic. I I feel like we talked way too much prior to press and record on this. Um, this is always the no, never talk too much. We haven't, we haven't seen each other in years. No, just, we need we need a catch up now and again. Course. Yeah, I mean, I think it was genuinely that um, that gig at Excess Malarkey in Manchester. I think it was when your when your mother looked horrified after my set and held you closer <laughs> in a in a very paternal way, and I thought, what a great mom! Mom should be scared of what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Spring day, um, frightened mom. <laughs> oh, around the country. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Um, I also think. What to say about my, what my mum said about that gig, which was, uh, and I don't know if anybody listening has been to it. A lot of listeners in the states, they'll probably never go. But it's in Manchester. It's very much an institution in Manchester. It's a fucking fantastic gig. And my mum looked. Best gig. Yeah, and they they always begin with the Muppet Show theme tune. Don't know why. <laughs> my mum just looked around. Have you around seen it. the Muppet Show? <laughs> Have you seen the Muppet Show? Not really. It's delightful. It's delightful and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I can see the parallel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mum just looked around it and went, "Everybody in here on their own would look weird, but together in this room, everybody fits in." And I thought that was just so sweet. That's true. <laughs> but I feel like um, we should probably get on to what the people paid for. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. What's your worst job been? Well, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot and there's so many different categories that i've i've created categories that you can choose from (gasps) let's spin the wheel (laughs) okay let's spin the wheel so we've got the saddest one the one worst for one's mental health the one Mm -hmm. worst for your physical safety um we have the worst paid one the one that violated child labor laws uh worst co-workers uh, and the weirdest job I half thought I was agreeing to do something illegal and the one with the weirdest customers. Oh, my God. Well, I feel like we need to get through all of them. Um, <laughs> we've got time. 
Because there's not one of them that you, when you were reading it out, I didn't go. I was, I was like that one for every one of them. Well, we should we should probably start chronologically at the beginning. Okay? Yeah. So okay, so I've I've been working for as long as I can remember, because when as when we were able to come home alone from school, I was around ten or something. We were always given chores, like we had to do the laundry the ironing, make sure the kitchen was clean and the the living room was clean and our rooms were clean by the time, and our homework was done by the time our parents got home. Because they both worked 12-hour shifts that were split shifts, Mm -hmm. and they usually didn't come home during the break. So we didn't see them most of the time. Uh, And then when in the summertime, when I was uh, 13, um, my mom's like, well, you're not going to just stay home all day. So I've arranged for you to babysit for my coworker and um, the the coworker. So my mom was a nurse and uh, worked in like ICU, ICU, that kind of thing. And her coworker did the same. And she worked a 12 hour split shift and had two small kids. And she hired me for 12-hour shifts uh, that were, I think, I was paid $1.70 an hour. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's and basically for free. Basically for free and completely illegal. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, I was also technically too young to be minding kids of that age. How old were they? Uh, I want to say, like, um, maybe seven and four. Oh, my God. So, they're, like, that. you can't just leave those to their own devices, can you? No, I, I don't remember what their ages were exactly. But they lived in this kind of, I guess it's like an estate, what you'd say here, an estate. Mm-hmm. Um, that had like it had like a outdoor pool area and you had to be at least 18 to use the pool on your own or if you weren't an adult right yeah and I would take them <clears throat> to the pool and the lifeguard would I I looked 18 even though I was 13 so he would let me buy but if anything happened to those kids right you know what I mean yeah. like kids are kids so I'm surprised nobody died. <laughs> oh my gosh. But the very last day, the very last day, I wanted to take them out to a restaurant. And I couldn't drive, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Still can't. And, you know, and I, it's the Kansas City area, which means there are no sidewalks, there's no pavement. You know, people don't walk. It's very un American. So <laughs> we walked along a highway. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know how long to this like strip mall that had a Chinese restaurant and I wanted them to be exposed to world cuisine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And guess what they ordered? They all ordered hamburgers and fries. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, this was, this was my treat to them. I wanted to open their minds and all this sort of stuff. And that, that went fine. And then we walked on the way home. The youngest one decided to climb a tree and then fell out. Oh, shit. And cut, cut his uh, forehead in the process and was bleeding buckets. Mm. And But fortunately, um, a drug dealer was nearby. Oh, phew. Uh, <laughs> and I should say it was a child drug dealer. Right. So, um, and because they were standing on a corner looking at their beeper. 
and and he was like oh gosh you need help so i was like yeah so he he called 911 and uh when uh the we weren't too far from the hospital so they came and they assumed that he'd broken his neck so they put all this stuff on him and everything mm-hmm. um and the mom she recognized the um i think she was an er at the time she recognized it was her uh, address and came and was like ah oh it, it turned out just to be a cut but it was like ah, bloodbath yeah yeah head wounds bleed a lot don't they yeah yeah and the worst part was um when he got inside he went directly to a mirror and oh. was like <laughs> and the screams went from one level to the next <laughs> like <laughs> just like ah, ah, ah. and i was like oh wow this is this is impressive screaming <laughs> So how how did the mum react to that? Well, she managed. Well, she was. Well, this is this is what it is. Okay, this is this is what America is like. She was more concerned about getting charged uh, for the ER for the emergency services. Had to talk with them and managed to not get charged mm-hmm. because there wasn't anything really wrong with him. But it's it's terrifying when your kid is like bleeding and you're like oh my god i can't pay for this uh it's so fucked yeah yeah it's the american medical system is just screwed yeah because i heard that you get charged for the call out for the ambulance as well right yeah yeah absolutely it's super expensive and if if you are if you get an ambulance from a, a hospital that is not in your insurance group you are charged out the wazoo like really? yeah crazy i've i've had i've had so many surgeries in other countries that i just couldn't even couldn't imagine affording in the states yeah just yeah i was in japan and um had to have a knee surgery and it would cost you know thousands and thousands of dollars and this surgery i needed it wasn't you know optional yeah that's insane isn't it that it's i was like what happens if like um and i know that this probably isn't (laughs) the first thing that people think when they watch 9-11 and i I honestly don't usually bring 9-11 up this early on in a podcast but like if you got dragged out of there what would you then be charged for that you know if it's if for, like any treatment that you get like is that a hundred percent not your fault in any capacity say again say again so like you got you know if you were involved in a, in a terrorist attack you know oh, right. people getting dragged out of the twin towers yeah you'd have to pay yeah you'd totally oh. have to pay yeah so there, there are weird, there are weird times when they'll excuse you. So I had a friend from Japan who did a marathon and he wasn't healthy enough to do a marathon and ended up in the hospital for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. And he was in like California, I think. And I think places like New York and California, they're kind of, you know, they have more population. They have, you know, they're more accustomed to outsiders whatnot and he had to prove he didn't have any money and then they had like uh, they would have money from some kind of donation for these kinds of cases right they qualified for that but that's only a small number of cases and i think in his case you know if they didn't find that he would have just left the country and they would have had nothing Do, do, do you know what i mean yeah so yeah so it's like when they fly people 
out of Japan after the big earthquake, um, you know, for safety and stuff, you had to pay the government for that. You didn't have to pay them right away, but you did have to pay them like two grand. And I know that because someone called me because they met some American who had come to the UK on a on a tourist visa and had overstayed and was kind of having mental breakdown. They didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I called the um, American embassy and said, what do you do in this kind of case? And they said, well, you have a couple of options. The UK will fly you home if you agree to not come back for 10 years right. and they will fly you home for free, right? America will fly you back, but you have to repay them whatever they paid for the ticket that they bought on the day. And he said, it's incredibly expensive. And I would yeah. tell that person to go for the, the other option. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this 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 podcast is going real dark real quick, <laughs> but, you know, that's hey. that's what I do. <laughs> if you don't laugh, then you're learning. <laughs> yeah, you're learning all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so that was, yeah, go ahead. So that that's your child labor one, I assume. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the child labor one. I'm still a bit bitter about that. Yeah, I would um, be. Right? No, but you got to let it go. It's like, I mean, i've I've had I've had other jobs. Like, for, I think it's so funny because I think um, a lot of people don't realize they're depressed because they just have a shitty job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When I was, I had to work full time when I was in university because, you know, my parents were, I was, everything was, um, I I was getting student loans. I was doing student loans and I had to work for everything else. And I had no idea how to manage money. Mm -hmm. I had no financial support. And my, my school didn't know how to access the resources for disabled people because we don't exist. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I did loads of jobs. Um, I worked in, I cleaned dormitories and during the breaks, like Christmas break and summer break. And those were probably the most depressing ones because you're on your own, it's cold or it's too hot and you're cleaning something that looks reasonably clean and you don't know how to clean it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, they just go, there's a common room, clean it. What do, what do you mean? like yeah it looks all right (laughs) which bits (laughs) right like how how much you know I vacuumed I dusted off the sofas what do you want you know and um so and no and no one really telling you what that job is about um I worked in the salad bar at the school cafeteria um and by the way if you work for um a state university uh, and you work on campus, uh, which I did, uh, you get paid minimum wage. And right. at that time, and probably still is, given their political climate, is like $5.15. That is and I, so little. It's very little. And you can only work, I think you you can't, you, technically you can't work 40 hours, but you can get pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that was, you know, it was kind of physically hard in a way because you had these you know massive tubs of butter and uh, dressing that you had to mix and I remember I remember learning how much a kilo was because the the butter was like 10 we had like a 10 kilo thing of butter (laughs) something like that and it had the um, 
the other um, measurements on the thing. And you'd have to, you know, take that down from like a, a high shelf and then put it back up, um, uh, you know, and, uh, and you just smell like salad all day. Yeah, I, I don't think you can go from a catering job to anywhere. Like, you have to have a shower, don't you? You, you fucking Dude. stink of food. Yeah, and then and the uniform, you know, like white shirt, black pants. Like, I never, like, I would always have to go to, like, a secondhand store, you know, and then buy a shirt and pants, which has clearly been over this job, has been doing this job for decades. And he's like, D- I just want to be bought by a regular person. Why? Take me Why? to a wedding. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Something. <laughs> right? And it's, you know, it's ill-fitting and it's, you know, it's just, ugh. Um, and then your shoes smell, you get grease on them and, and they're spotted and everything. Um, so I did that for a while and then it just, I, I needed to make more money. So then I started working in fast food off campus, which paid $2 more an hour. Ooh. So nice. did, did the campus yeah. jobs just to, um, those, yeah. did they fit in around study? Like, were they conscious of that? Oh, did they not care? Well, they they only hired, they mostly hired students. And um, they could, and and they had a lot of exchange students because those were the only jobs exchange students could do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they were pretty conscious of that. Most of the time they were, they were trying to get people off the clock because they didn't want them to have to pay them overtime. Right. Which a lot of, a lot of students would get dangerously close to. Yes, that was some sweet, sweet cash. <laughs> you know, getting paid a decent wage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but it was my second time working in fast food in high school. I was a hostess at a country kitchen, and okay. that's funny because hostess sounds sexy and fun. Yeah, it's very glamorous. To sit, you're just telling people where to sit and yeah, doing the register. It was. I was. I was. Um, I was a hostess at Country Kitchen. That sounds was, nice, is it? Oh, it, it was awful. Um, <laughs> well, no, here's the thing: like, people don't realize that you know, when you're a teenager in those jobs, nearly everyone I worked with was on some. You know, they just got out of prison, and right. this was some work release program. You know, like, you know, <laughs> um, you know they were being rehabilitated, or. You know, they were, you know, some people were nice. Uh, one of the one of the waitresses had married someone from the Middle East and had a pet monkey. Um, That's exciting. That was fun. I got pulled it. And that was <gasps> terrifying. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. I don't condone it. No. But also, it was like, it was like holding a baby you knew could rip your head off. <laughs> I was like, going to say, what what kind of monkey are we talking about? Are we talking like a little cute one or one you know that? Can... Well, no, he was no, he was little and cute. The one with like he looked, he wasn't an orangutan, but he had the orangutan hair, right? You know the thing, yeah. and um, super cute, but you know, just there's that little voice inside you going, "This is not right." No, you know, and then I was 16 at the time, so you know, I can legally have this job. But they also, when the when the manager, when it was his birthday, he was dating one of the waitresses, or maybe he was married to, I can't remember which. Um, 
I just remember he was missing one of his teeth. Right. Um, um, on his birthday, his his wife wanted to get him an exotic dancer to come to the restaurant and perform for him. And I was given the job of calling the exotic dance company. That sounds so and inappropriate. It, you know, right? Right? And, you know, the funny thing was they, they didn't have any strippers available because it was too short notice. I remember that. I remember how businessy <laughs> it was. Like, yeah. it was like, well, when do you want it? What do you want? You know, like, well, we got this, we got that. And I was like, well, do you have any strippers? He's like, male or female? And you're like, well, female. It's like, well, no, no, they're in high demand, but uh, we do have a belly dancer. You want a belly dance? <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, that sounds good, you know. Um, so, so there was a belly dancer, um, and it was like a slow time of the day. So they they locked the front doors, and everybody watched him get a lap dance from a belly dancer. Oh, I, honestly, it like if it was my birthday, and somebody organize that for me that will be i'd be like oh so we, you don't want to be married to me you don't want to be my friend anymore is why do you hate me why why would you do that but how is that a gift for somebody not like think- not even in your own home in front of your work colleagues <laughs> fuck man <laughs> well no but i feel like i feel like to him he was a really sweet guy. I remember that. Like, he was a sweet guy. I don't think he was in, you know, a rehabilitation program or anything like that. Yeah. But I, and I, I think for him, I think he seemed like a very private guy. He felt, he looked like he, he thought it was a test. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I need to enjoy myself, but not too much <laughs> because I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> you know and so it, and I think that he was highly uncomfortable with my presence being there mm. and they're like ah oh, don't tell your parents and I was like oh it'll be fine I felt so <laughs> mature so grown up um but uh looking back you know I was like yeah that wasn't probably the best but it wasn't the worst <laughs> no <laughs> so now you can't tell spring to leave she did the phone call <laughs> she was integral to its organization yeah, no, but I felt I felt like I was a part of something, so that was kind of fun. But yeah. I do remember my first day, nobody told me how to do anything. Uh, and I didn't know how it was set up. And so, you know, I grew up playing Tetris. So uh, I just tried to get everyone together <laughs> and fill, you know, I would just fill one square up and then, okay, here's the next one. And I put like three families in the same section <laughs> waitress came out and went what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like and I was like one she's like have you ever done this before I was like no and she's like did she tell you what to do with it no she's like here's what you do <laughs> and you spread them out you know uh... <laughs> I didn't know to spread them out I didn't know that and then I was also a dish dog there and that was that was interesting a dish dog yeah do you do, wow. do you call them dish dogs here? No, no, that sounds really, yeah, <laughs> really demeaning. Well, it kind of is. Well, you basically you have a bucket, and you go to like the booths and stuff, and clear the table by putting all the stuff in the bucket and taking it back, and dumping it in the thing. Right. And you're probably carrying, uh, like you know, anywhere between like five and fifteen pounds, right? And you're just, you know, lugging, 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 lugging. 
and my arms were all cut up and bruised because I couldn't because of my cerebral palsy, I couldn't hold it with one side. So mm-hmm. it would just rest on top of my forearm and then the, the, it would just cut my arm. Oh, and when that started bleeding, they were like, okay, well, maybe you can cover the register for a while. And they're like, <laughs> oh, well, maybe not because you're bleeding. So I don't know, find something to do where people can't watch you bleed. <laughs> like, <it's> like... <laughs> oh God, that's, that's tragic. <laughs> I do remember polishing glasses in a hotel until my fingers bled and then getting into trouble for bleeding on stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, what do you want me to do? I mean, can you, I mean, I remember someone getting fired. Um, It's so funny what you get in trouble for. Like when the guy got fired for like putting whipped cream in his mouth. Fair. Totally fair. But I'm bleeding working for you (laughs) in a job that you made me do and designed (laughs) yeah and it's not so far from minimum wage like you know come on yeah yeah they should have got you one of those things you know like when they train in dogs Mm -hmm. and they you know and and they bite on that big thing that they have on the arm you know in the police videos oh come on this is the 90s nobody (laughs) cared about that Nobody gave a shit about your health. (laughs) It was a better time. (laughs) No, like, it was just, I mean, yeah, no, it's so funny. We were watching this 80s movie. We're like, why does everybody in the 80s look like they're 50? You know, like, like, yeah, oh, yeah, they're all eating plastic. Got it. Like, (laughs) so at least we were moving away from that. I remember, um, like, there's all these, like, there's something kind of glorious about terrible jobs. Yeah. Like they make you, they make you create your own fun, you know? Yeah. Um, when I worked at Arby's, which uh, is like a loose meat fast food sandwich uh, started in the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy that worked there who used to be a rodeo clown and lost a lot. <laughs> Like, like you really got the sense that you know the bulls won too often and sweet guy but uh, just uh, you know you just hope he'll make it (laughs) and somebody asked him so there was another girl I think her name was Yellowstone and she asked just out loud how do you spell taxi she said she was illiterate she was quite open about that and he said well i think it's t-a-x-e and she said i'm illiterate and even i know that's wrong like that, <laughs> uh-huh. that you know those those moments are yeah. just really just just so much fun and i <laughs> i enjoyed that and i remember halloween she dressed like carrie and got ketchup all over the cash and register <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> So was that your fast food job after uh, working on campus? Yes. So Arby's was after and Country Kitchen was when I was still in high school. Yeah. yeah. Which which was the worst from them of the two? <laughs> well, okay. So, well, at least Arby's, I was, you know, living on my own. Right. So I could go and come and as I pleased. But um, the thing about Country Kitchen is that I had to be driven there by my mom. Right. And occasionally, like, I remember working 
at Country Kitchen on Christmas Eve. And she drove me all the way there. And about 10 minutes after she dropped me off. And this is, you know, we're living in the countryside, so everything is far away. Mm-hmm. And um, 10 minutes after that, the manager decided to close the store because no one was coming in. Uh-huh. And so then we had to, you know, and there, there was no, no one had a cell phone. So I had to yeah. wait for mom to get home and then call her and then she had to come up. And, and it's my fault because why didn't I tell her? I was like, well, I didn't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that to her because then I would have get hit twice. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. So there's just something about. It may. It was worse because I had no autonomy. Yeah, it's um, it's horrible having to rely on people for something such as when can I leave? Oh yeah, no, it's it's just awful, and just having to harp on them. Like most of the time, she was happy to take me because I would just be out of her hair for yeah. four or five hours, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, that was the worst part. But Arby's was was interesting. Um. I worked there, I think, a little over a year. I made some really good friends. And um, it was so interesting. There was a guy, there was a devil worshiper that worked in the back who would always see the devil's face in the meat. And you could see it too. Like, because the way the the loose meat sandwich stuff goes, like Mm -hmm. it comes in this big blob and it looks like something in a horror movie. (laughs) Yeah. And... And he'd go, I see Satan's face. I see Satan's face. And he'd come back and you're like, yeah, that's Satan's face. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's this kind of, you know, like Maria in the toast kind of thing. But oh. yeah, so, so that was fun. And, you know, a lot of men calling other men bitches and things like that. It was a very, very much that. I was in a 90s movie with Jonah Hill. Yes. <laughs> you know. I think most kitchens are like that still, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I think so too. Like, did, I don't know how many times someone would be like, give me some lettuce, bitch. And I'd be like, what? Like, well, of course I wasn't talking to you. You're a girl. Why would I call you a bitch? Like, that kind of, like I've had that conversation. It's like, oh, yeah, my mistake for being confused. <laughs> like, <laughs> Who hurt you? Why are you so aggressive all the time? <laughs> yeah, and there was two guys. I also worked at a Taco Bell for a summer. Okay. And and that was pretty sad. And the oh. two guys that I worked with were constantly talking about the karate games that they were playing. Mm-hmm. And it was so frustrating as a disabled person to listen to two able-bodied people talk about kicking each other's ass in a computer game. Yeah. And like, <laughs> like, like, I will pay you all of my salary if you kick each other's ass right now. Like, I want to see this. Yeah. You know, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> it's just because it was incessant. It was incessant. Oh, it's uh that, yeah, it shows how much of a, lo- a loser you are. I, I have, I'm got a problem with video games, but you know. No, like there's just just this thing where where you if you because I know people that do karate, and they don't talk about it like that. No. So like I don't, you know what I mean? I just feel like uh, you you can do it. Yeah. Just, just pretend to kick each other's ass. <laughs> just, 
do it. Yeah, I just, I don't, I just found that really annoying. Yeah, it'd uh, break, up, break up the day a bit, wouldn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah. But I, I have to say, one of the worst jobs I had that had the weirdest customers mm-hmm. was I work for, um, I was an operator for the Disney store. Okay. When, when it was still a catalog. It was a catalog? Yes. So they, they had a website, but very few people used it. Right. And so it was basically like the Disney store before they had stores everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, Disney is a religion and people take it very seriously. Right. And so you have like your, you know, your Jim Jams and your Winnie the Pooh dolls and things like that. But then you've got the high, the high price items. Mm-hmm. Like the thousand dollar Jessica Rabbit handbag, or right. you know these earrings or this, and then people would call them up and they'd be like, "I need," and you're like, "Let me stop you right there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need any of this. This is this is all this is all in the plus. This is all in the extra." <laughs> you know? um, but they would they would do that. Um, they would they would be very serious and they'd want exactly this and exactly that. And then they would order, I think we had a couple of dolls that you could personalize and put messages on. Um, and you had to get that exactly right. And if anyone from the East coast called, I was fucked because they talked really fast and I was only typing with one hand and I didn't know how to type. So, and they wouldn't repeat things. So I just hang up on them. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way of dealing with it. (laughs) I don't know. And then other people would call, like old people would call for a chat. Um, and there's there's one video that's not available in the States anymore. I think it's called Songs of the South because it's been deemed uh, racist. But it's, it's you can buy it anywhere else in the world. Okay. <laughs> right? And then people would call up, oh, that's a really fine movie. It's such a shame you can't buy it in the States, you know. And you're like, yeah, well, it's fine. You can something else. <laughs> There's something else racist you can watch, I'm sure. Like, <laughs> you know, don't worry, we've got loads of racist content. <laughs> but you had all these expressions you had to use, and you had to say please and thank you, and you had to end everything a certain way. And I and you you get monitored. And one time I did it, I got almost everything right except for the very last one, when, which you're supposed to say thank you for calling the store, and, blah, 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 blah. and I just said thank you, bye. Yeah. <laughs> He's like. Oh, sorry, you didn't do that right. And I was like, oh, fuck. That's close enough. Right, right. Did you have to make a certain amount of sales and things? Was it it call centre-y? A little bit. Like there was was a sheet of extra stuff that you could could plug. And if you you got them to buy any of that, I think you'd get like, you know, a dollar a sale or a dollar or two extra. And I just, I don't know, like, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't the killer person. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, all this stuff's kind of expensive. I don't want you to part with even more of your money. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was a nice kid. Yeah. How long were you in that job for? I was only there for a summer because um, I was doing uh, study abroad. I gotten a scholarship to study abroad and um, was just making as much money as I could before I left. Yeah. So, and then, and then uh, I tried to get the job back and they wouldn't let me. I think it had something to do with my very slow typing skills, uh, <laughs> and um, which I have corrected since then. 
by the way, if anyone's listening. Um, but yeah, yeah. So no, I, you know, it's kind of neat to say you work for Disney because it, it, it is like working for a church that people give a shit about. Yeah. Yeah. So people uh, would go crazy for that. I had no idea that, that people were, were that into it. Was, was oh, it like collector's the- items then or? Well, not just collector's items, but there's, you know, it was also, it was also around the time the, you know, Disney Princess was first introduced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when Disney was really famous for having a blockbuster every single year, like there was just a string of those. I think it was the year Tarzan came out. Right. And it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And um, Disney, Walt Disney uh, was born in Kansas City, so there's there's that connection there. Right. Um, so is Eminem. They both left. Nobody really hearts <laughs> on that part. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a big thing. And I actually, it's funny because I, I forgot to mention this as well. Was I was also um, the the worst job I wanted but never got. Um, I really, really, really wanted to be a missionary for a long time. Yeah. Um, I was uber religious from the age of like. 13 and I was going to be a missionary and thank God that didn't work out because that's the worst job ever. So what was it that made you want to do it and why is it the worst job ever? Well I wanted to do it because um, I don't know if you could tell from my conversation but me and my family aren't really close Mm -hmm. and I found family in the um Baptist outreach that was at my school so there would be like a pizza party and they're like well if you let us tell you about Jesus you get pizza you're like okay who is this guy he (laughs) sounds kind of cool so and and they just had you know they had a youth group on Wednesdays and Sunday nights and it was you know they they're like hey we're all about love and acceptance and all that kind of stuff and I was like I need some of that and so I think I was I was just keen on being involved in something and I was always kind of interested in the outside world outside of the states because I just kind of instinctively knew that you know the states doesn't care about disabled people (laughs) and I just I wanted to go elsewhere and um I had met a few missionaries that had been here, there, and everywhere, and they talked about how great the job was and how much you changed people's lives and, you know, you're doing good in the world. And, well, originally I wanted to be a pastor, but girls aren't allowed to do that. Uh. You're not allowed to teach men or children, but you are allowed to teach men that are not white. So Uh. that's where becoming a missionary comes in. Um, so, you know, and a lot of very famous, uh, women missionaries never get married and all this kind of stuff, but they, you know, they're, they're legends in the field and whatnot. So that was, and I became like a Sunday school teacher and, uh, like a Bible, was it, um, oh, I've, I've blocked so much of it. I can't remember the names. Um, you know, the summer Bible vacation, vacation Bible study. Yeah. So I did a lot of teaching for that, and which doesn't pay anything at all. You just yeah. miss two weeks out of your summer, um, burdening children with the idea of hell and death forever. Um, it's it's a very um, psychologically potentially damaging thing to uh, do. Um, I was very very concerned about people's souls and making sure people were saved and. 
took up a lot of space in my brain for a long time. Yeah. I, I always think, you know, when people come, you know, people talk shit about, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons knocking on your door. And, and I always think, you know, whatever it is that you believe that you know we don't all have to share the same beliefs it is nice that you know even like the lady shouting at you in the street i would say you are you believe you're doing doing a good thing yeah yeah and you know i think that is nice whatever you think whatever you know um difference of opinion you have well, no, no, the thing is, like, I, I am very, I think everyone, you know, goes through, everyone's allowed to grow, and everyone should grow, and everyone has their own pace, and, and I'm not totally against religion, now that I'm not religious anymore, um, it can teach you a lot of good things, like, you know, I, you know, a lot of, you know, the, the Jehovah Witness thing, which seems to teach people persistence, yeah, <laughs> nothing else, you know, I think the Venus sisters are who they are in part because of that, you know, well, if only a a little over a thousand people are going to be let into heaven, I better get to work. You know, that kind of like, I better keep going. So it can, if, if, if you're able to filter some of the stuff and use only what's useful, it can really enhance your life. But if you have no filter and you take it on, you know, full blast, it can really, it can be really harmful. And I think for me, it was helpful and both helpful and harmful. But the thing about becoming a missionary that I've learned since then is being a missionary sucks on so many levels because you work twice for your money, right? So first you have to campaign for people to pay you money to go wherever you're going to go and do whatever you're going to do. So you have to raise that money. And then that money is either given to an organization or whatever that then pays you after you've done the thing that you've told these other people you're going to do. Right. So you don't get that money until you come back from your mission. Yeah. And basically you raise that money and you give that money to the church or an organization that manages missions. And then they give you a salary from what you have already raised so what you raise doesn't usually go directly to them it goes to a third party and then goes to them Damn. yeah so and then do you get any sort of choice over where you go or what you do or well you have to do things that people will agree to give you money for you know right. and so you have kind of lines to toe and you have to hit certain marks and um, and that's why, you know, you have to give, you know, newsletters and updates and and use certain terminology and talk a certain way that hits these points. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like having a Patreon and telling people, donate this, donate to this because souls are on the line. Like it's it's a very it's a very stressful place to live. I've met people mm-hmm. whose parents were missionaries and we've talked about it a lot. And it's like if you ever talk to somebody who who's come from a job that you've always wanted but couldn't have for one reason or another, you're just like, Wow, you, wow, wow. I had no idea that that's what was involved. Yeah. You know? So I mean it is it is designed like a multi level marketing company. Yeah. Uh, and you know, a lot of very good people uh, especially in these mega churches, get paid very, very little to nothing. And if you make someone unhappy that has any 
power, then you're out. And because you're in a churchy world, other people's opinion of you matters more than the actual work that you do. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, again, we're getting dark, but yeah, it's, it's a very, um, I have a lot of sympathy for people who wanted to do that job and then realizing everything that comes with it and going, oh, geez, I wish I knew that. Maybe I would have, maybe I would have gone to a secular college or whatever. Yeah. And learn so, some skills you can use outside of that. Yeah. Um, do you think, so was it the basically trying to, the traveling aspect that drew you to that? Yeah, I think so. I think it was a, a safe way to get out. And um, it was something I, I thought I could do, you know. Um, it's so funny because, like, um, you know, people come and visit the high school. And, uh, you know, the Peace Corps comes. And everybody wants to go do the Peace Corps. And you're like, hey, what do you want to do? You know, well, can you do any math? No. Well, we don't need you. Like, we need yeah. people that can do math and build things and whatnot and figure out interesting problems. They're not going to want to write poetry. Fuck that. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, but it, it was something I thought I could do. And then um, I, in high school, uh, I met I met a friend whose grandmother was Japanese and she talked about how amazing Japan was and how you didn't need a car and you could walk everywhere and how they're really nice and they like to include people and you know you can make it in the 90s before the bubble burst you could make a shit ton of money teaching English yeah like you know um less so after the bubble burst but it was still much more than you could make being a teacher um in the states and so i was like well that's what i'm gonna do and yeah. that's what i ended up doing yeah for a long time so how did you find the difference in working in sort of the states and then in japan and then sort of here as well i suppose i was so happy not to be smelling of anything <laughs> You know, I, I think especially the first three years, I was so happy that I didn't have to juggle school and anything else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because I was I think I was very much sleep deprived for for all of my school time. And um, so it was like, wow, this is I mean, I was still working long hours, but it was just one job. Yeah. Um but I know it was a twelve. It was basically a twelve-hour shift. That was a split shift. I, I and I worked far from home uh, in Japan. And I remember I would get my dinner at the convenience store, which they have really nice food there. And I would be so tired that I'd pay for my food and I'd walk home forgetting the food. No. Um, and I'd have to go back and get it. Like <laughs> I was basically sleepwalking. Uh, and then I'd wake up super early and do it all over again. I, I would I would get my breakfast at the kiosk on the station platform, and it was usually like gum or something. Yeah, because <laughs> I had zero life skills oh. <laughs> like, when it comes to like preparing like food. Japan was great in teaching me what a vegetable was. Yeah, <laughs> and how to eat healthy and all of that. Yeah, but and Japan is all about. Really, it's just about being on time. As long as you're on time, you can do pretty much whatever you want. And on time means 15 minutes early. Yes. 
I got told that when I moved down here, uh, working for a hospitality agency, if you're on time, you're 15 minutes late. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lot of that, and you also Japan has this culture. Like, if you go drinking with your boss, you can tell him whatever you want because you're drunk and you're not responsible for what you say, and it's a way to let off steam without any repercussions. And I remember a, a student, I would go drinking with the students on the last day of a course, right? And all of my students were adults. I didn't teach kids for the most part. And I taught a group of people that worked for, they were all chemists working for, um, they were all chemical engineers. And um, one of them was always really quiet in class, but on that last day, he got really, really chatty. And he just like, you would look better with brown hair <laughs> i like your hair brown your hair is blonde because that's what japanese people like i like you better brown <laughs> like, okay and i like to you better when you are quiet <laughs> <laughs> um i remember uh i remember going out to dinner um with these students and 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 then they would get so drunk. One of them gave me like a hundred dollars yeah. after dinner to make sure I'd get home okay. And it was like, <laughs> like I I don't know what to do here because uh, this is no I can't no <laughs> I can't do that. but thank you. I didn't know that was a thing. People getting drunk and then paying for stuff like, like what? Okay, that's nice. So that, yeah, it's nice. It seemed like a dangerous thing to have if you have like a family. <laughs> what do you do? I black out and pay for shit. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's part of our culture. Don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, so so that was fun. Um, just I think it was just there was lots of when you work in a company with a lot of foreigners, there's like constantly a welcoming party and constantly a goodbye party. So that gets old really really quick. Yeah. Um, but other than that. Yeah, I mean, it's if you want to be a teacher, it's you know, at the time. I don't know what about now, but it was you could. It's here's the thing though, it's the kind of job I didn't know at the time. It's the kind of job that middle class kids do for fun, mm-hmm. right? Before they go off to their banking jobs or whatever, right? Um, I didn't realize people got jobs for fun, <laughs> like. Yeah. What do you, who gets jobs for fun? This is my career, you know. And I and I was making more money than my mom was an hour. Yeah. You know? And she's a nurse. That's wild. You know? So in my mind, because people are like, "Oh, what else are you gonna do?" Like, what are you talking about? I make more money than my mother, yeah. and she had a family. Like. How greedy do do I need to be? Like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is it. And I, I started doing stand up around the same time, but there's no there's no market for it in in Japan. It's not. It's just not the same thing. And I didn't like. I was interested in the idea of doing comedy in Japanese, but then I I found out about the way the industry is run. And it's like, ah, I don't approve of slavery. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> because, you know, so like here in the U.S. and the U.K., uh, talent gets 80%, management gets 20 mm-hmm. right? In Japan, it's the reverse. 
Shit. Talent gets 20%, management gets 80 They own your name, they own your material, and you get a salary. So every Everything that you are doing for them, you're doing for the company. So it's like the MGM system in the 30s, right? right? Mm-hmm. You're making you're making money, but you're not making fuck you money. Yeah. You're not making independent money. There are people that are smart enough to go, oh, the real money is in management and do that. Yeah. Or behind the scenes. There's tons of money there. Yeah. But if you want to be on stage, you are a meat puppet. That's insane that that's how... How, how can the industry work? Like, how can you live off 20%? It works... No, but it works. It works because you're working all the time. You're making, you know, I don't know. You're 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 making salary man money, maybe a little bit more than salary man money. Mm-hmm. But um, you're doing shows, you're doing radio, you're doing sketches, you're working all the time. Mm-hmm. You're constantly doing things, um, but you don't get a large say in what you do. Now, a few people have been smart enough to actually negotiate a better deal for themselves but that is the exception it's not the rule right and it and the system is it serves these large companies and yeah. these large companies don't want uniqueness they want something that they can sell that looks slightly different from what they sold you before mm-hmm. so from a it's as a business as, as a form of business it's ingenious Yeah. So, for example, in music, you have these girl groups where before they had these groups where they're like five or six girls, you know, kind of like Destiny's Child, but without the talent. And they could, you know, be a girls group and then they would, uh, you know, maybe have a solo career or pose for the equivalent of Playboy or, or kind of transfer to something else. And then and then they decided that was too much power to give them. So they've got these massive groups of girls. So there's like one group called AK, AKB48 or 47, and there's 47 or 48 girls who, who are constantly rotating, right? And the viewers vote on who they want to be the front people yeah. right? every week. Right? So none of these girls will ever have enough power to break out on their own. Right. Because the power is constantly distributed. That is so dark. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's so dark, but it's also genius on a Voldemort level. Like just what? You know? So so I you know, I saw that and I was like you know, people do other things. A lot of foreign talent do like narration work that pays very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they do, you know, education TV, things like that. But for me, I didn't go that route because I thought I was going to live in Japan forever. I wanted indefinite leave to remain. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, the fastest way to do that is to work for the same company for 10 years. Right. And once I had that, then I would have freedom. But by the time I got that, I realized, oh, I want to leave, but I want to have the ability to come back. Yeah. If I decide to. Right? Yeah. I've decided not to, but I wanted that choice after being there for so long. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what was the thing that made you want to leave? 
after that amount of time? Well, it was okay. So one thing about being an expat in somewhere like Japan, where it's everybody wants to go, and when you and some people are long timers. I know people that have lived there twenty, thirty more years and are still there and happy, mm-hmm. but. Those people are few and far between, right? It's a very, um, it can be a very lonely place. Yeah. Um, it's very, you know, if you're not, it is a very group oriented society, but if you're not already in the group, it's really hard to get in. Um, I met this uh, Japanese lady who was from Tokyo and had moved to Kobe for her husband mm-hmm. 20 years before. And it was like a really, and it, and the neighborhood she lived in was, you know, the very old neighborhood, you know, the family's known each other for decades and stuff. And I said, well, what's it like? She's like, I can't wait for his family to die wow. because I've been living here for 20 years and they still call me the new girl. What? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Fucking Jesus. Hell. Right. And, you know, so, and that's a Japanese person being an outsider within their own country. yeah and you know there are you know and if you can find a happy space there was a time when I tried to you know I I tried I'm just going to make Japanese friends and I'm not going to make any foreign friends and that's not a really healthy place to be like it's a logical thing to go through but Mm -hmm. um it's a very closed society and unless you grew up in Japan which I did not do um you need those connections you know, yeah. you, you need that. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I did a gig for, um, there's an organization called the Foreign Wives of Japanese Men. And <laughs> so I had specific. a meeting. It's very specific, but a very necessary support group. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a meeting um, with the woman that organized it. And I said, I need to know how happy these women are. Um, and she said, uh, well, we have the full spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> which oh, was no. really interesting. Cause I saw super, super happy people. And I also saw people that needed a safe house. Right. So, you know, and that's true anywhere, but um, I, you know, a lot of people that I saw that were living in Japan and, and, doing okay drank a bit too much for me yeah and I felt like oh, I can always come back to Japan I just I need I need to also this is the other thing um I've had friends that had children in Japan and things didn't work out with the other with their spouse and then that spouse takes off with the kid and they never see them again Shit. and whatever that law is that prevents people from doing that in the states and the UK is not honored in Japan you will never see your kids again. So period. is that is that because they are Japanese and you are not Japanese? Or is that right. because they're a man and you're a woman? Right. Well, they okay, so they have this thing, right? So when you marry a Japanese person or a Japanese citizen, um, you get registered in the city hall on the family tree. Right. right? And if you are a foreigner marrying uh, a Japanese man if you're a foreign woman marrying a Japanese man you get put off you get put down off to the side like a pet you're not really a person right right you're like you're like down there with Fido and which is fine whatever but then if you are a foreign man who's married a Japanese woman then she's become the head of the household because right. she's Japanese right and she doesn't have to take your name um, mm-hmm. 
usually Japanese women have to take their husband's name unless their husband is a foreigner. Right. With a foreign name. So, um, so there's all this stuff about head of the household and that kind of stuff and what's best for the kid and what's best for a Japanese kid in a country where the population is dwindling is to stay there. Yeah. Right? So they will, uh, I had a friend who, um, did everything he could to at least, uh, you know, have visiting rights. Mm-hmm. And the judge told him, I don't know why you're wasting your time in Japan like this. You should be enjoying your time and, you know, do something fun like go to Disneyland. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I heard enough stories like that. It's like, uh, you know, it's a tricky place to build roots like that if that's what you want to do. Sounds, and I didn't, right? Yeah, so it sounds like they don't really want you there. Like you've, you're always visiting. Sort of thing. Always, yeah well i mean they love foreigners they they love visitors they love to know you have a return ticket you know? yeah and you know but i mean i could have stayed but i feel like i feel like i there were other things like i really wanted to be in a relationship and i just didn't think that was going to happen there yeah. like and uh i just i wasn't yeah i just didn't think I, I tried and it didn't work and I was just like I just I don't know I'm I'm fat and old for Japan so I should go somewhere where I'm attractive you know like England <laughs> but, no, but, but no but I went to the States first um, uh, but um, nearly almost immediately started dating a good friend and now we're married and it's very it's kind of a funny thing because when we announced it on Facebook all of my western women friends in japan who you know haven't had sex in a long time were like oh my god all i have to do is leave japan and I'm at work. Um, that's not true for everyone it's not true for everyone but it's true for a large number of people yeah but just give it a go <laughs> give it a go give yeah it a go. I, I had one time i remember a, a guy uh, maybe I think he was like 19 and he tried to have sex he tried to get me to agree to have sex with him by shaking on it what? yeah like a handshake like a, like a handshake he's like, <laughs> he's like you and me we should have sex and let's let's shake on it that's adorable <laughs> isn't it adorable and I and it's so funny because I agreed to shake his hand and he looked like oh my god this works and I was <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you idiot! Just shaking your head. No. Oh, God, God yeah. bless him. <laughs> yeah, it's adorable. So adorable. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As as far as pickup lines go, I've I've heard worse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that is that's tragic that that's not the worst. No, it's not the worst. I think the worst one was a couple of years ago. I was in, um, no, it was three years ago now. I was in McDonald's in Paris and this like 14 year old came up to me and I knew enough French to know he was asking me, you know, like, what's your name? And I was like, I, I don't speak French. He's like, well, how old are you? And I was like, I, I can't say. And he's like, well, just write it on the table. <laughs> And you know, he's like, "Oh my God, you're too old to eat here." Like, <laughs> what? And you know what? I am too old to be eating at McDonald's. I just am. yeah. I I don't know. I don't think the uh, the fun the fun can ever be taken away. Me and my sister 
we arrived in Amsterdam like way too early for you know just for everything you know and you're yeah. there and you're tired and and you get your suitcase and we were just like well, we'll just kill some time in this McDonald's and I swear to God it got fucking disco lights on <laughs> at like I mean it was it it was maybe about ten o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, I felt too old to be there then, for sure. <laughs> um, it's so crazy how that works. It's just like, I, on one hand, I'm flattered, but on the other hand, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, man, his friends tease him so bad after that. Because yeah. they could totally see. I, I think he was just in flirt mode. I think he was like, mm-hmm. I can flirt with anything. I can flirt with this chair. Like, he was just in that mode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> His friends are like, you idiot, go ahead and flirt with the old woman. <laughs> what was the age difference? What are we I think he, he, was, he was 14. Oh. <laughs> and I was 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so it would have been a crime. Oh, it would have been a crime. And like, also just, I was like, wow, well, I do have good collagen in my skin, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Or I let kids just not very bright. Yeah, yeah, it could be a mix of the two, I suppose. <laughs> Gosh, I think I've gone through all of my terrible jobs, I think. Yeah. Shall we um, end on a nice one? Oh, a, a nice A quick, job. nice one. Okay, okay. I had, I did a job, I, I accepted a position that I thought was illegal at the time. Right. Kind of. Because it was, it was in New York, and the interview was in this really weird room that had it was super dark Mm. and it had a picture of Miley Cyrus naked but with like tape over her nipples and stuff I think that's who it was I think it's a kind of a famous picture and it was for this Japanese company in New York that was doing a little bit of everything so they were like providing uh, karaoke machines for clubs and they were also organizing photo shoots for magazines. And they were also selling SIM cards to students. And it was just like, there wasn't anything they weren't doing. Right. And what was fun about that was I was responsible for making sure all of the communication sounded legit. Like, it didn't sound <laughs> like it was coming from someone in, you know, in a village in Russia trying to get everyone to believe in Trump or something. You know, just grammar yeah. and everything. And... um I remember I had to book a hairdresser for a really famous person who's famous here, I think. And um, she had a specific hairstylist that she wanted to use. And I had to say, oh, this person, we're, we're about to do this photo shoot. She'd like to use you. What are your day rates? And his day rates were like 15 grand a day. Oh, my God. For her. Uh, I think, I think. I think it was also because he knew that um, I was working for a Japanese company. He was highballing it a bit, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the conceit, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember my boss going, we'll email them later. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. But that was kind of fun. Like, I, you know, and then you're like, man, I wish I had both hands so I could become a hairdresser and make 15 grand a day. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's, um, you don't realize how much money is in this world, do you, until no. you, 
you see it sometimes. That's no, I, I, I did. I did a. That was the other thing about teaching. It's like it's funny because you, you, a lot of people. There's a lot of um, English teaching jobs like in New York and stuff, and it's funny because I, I did that as well for a short time, and at the when they were interviewing and interviewing people they were very clear like listen we are not teaching refugees and I think what he was saying was there's a lot of people that especially like older people that you know they're like oh I want to help people learn English they just assume everywhere outside the states is a shithole yeah and they won't understand that it's very likely that the people that you're teaching are making more money than you will ever see in your lifetime Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, kids coming in with like Prada bags, you know, 25 year olds with all kind of cosmetic surgery. Yeah. And, you know, and then, you know, and then you get give, given a gift that you can't possibly accept. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, and, you, and it's a lot of, and it bothered a lot of people that, because that, it just didn't, it was just so outside their view of what the world is. Mm-hmm. That, you know, someone that's not in America doing so well, what? Like, yeah, it, it could really mess with people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just thinking about Emily in Paris now, where she's having that <laughs> well, <that's... laughs> uh, French lessons. Oh, God. Well, yeah, no, the, the French lessons, that, that's really funny because um, I like how rude that teacher is. I don't think you can, well, maybe you can get away with it in France. But I, I, you know, I think it's really funny because I, I get what I get what those jokes are. Those a lot of those jokes are, are things that you go through when you've lived in a foreign country. But it's also it's not for everybody. Like, no, <laughs> it's, it's not for everybody. No, <laughs> sorry. Okay, um, did, was that? Did I end on at least a brighter note? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is uh, our time. Uh, it's it's been lovely having you. Thank you. Uh, no, thank you for, for letting me. Yeah, thank uh, you for letting me talk forever. <laughs> um, have you got anything to plug? Where can people find you? <laughs> I have. Um, I have a podcast uh, called Life in a Second Language. Um, I haven't done it recently, but the, the episodes are still up uh, because I got sick and tired of listening to my own voice. But I promise, <laughs> I promise that on my podcast you listen to other people talk more than I do which (laughs) I think is a plus um where I talk to people about you know what it's like to live in a second language and uh it's it's fun stuff um I'm at uh spring day comedy and on your social medias um my um new year's resolution is to stop scrolling so of course that's (laughs) not going to happen but uh uh yeah you can find me on on that stuff as well so yeah I hope yeah. To see you in the, I don't know. I don't know. I'm tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, shit. I never, uh, I never plug any of my things, but this will be going out on the, I know, I totally should. <laughs> this will be going out on the 1st of February. I'm doing a show at Leicester Comedy Festival on the 5th of February, and it's called Scream Inside Your Heart, uh, like the Japanese uh, roller coasters when they reopened. Uh, and it's so funny, they, they're like, can we ask patrons please to scream inside their heart whilst they're on the roller coasters? And there's just this video of these two Japanese businessmen with the straightest face 
going around this really fun roller coaster. It's fantastic. Um, but that's um, that's what it's based on. That's um, it's if the festival goes ahead. Um, I hope it does. Uh, but that's half past three at the cookie. Uh, if, if please, please come. <laughs> I'll just buy a ticket, and after that, I don't care what you do. Um, yes. I've got you money, so fine. <laughs> I would plug this at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> also, because I talked a shit ton. No, it's um, good content. <laughs> oh, that's you're very kind. You're very kind. Um, but no, I, it's it was a lot of fun. And please go see Catherine. Show she's super super funny, and uh, she's got a mom that cares about her. What do you What do you want? Really? <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah, she's um, great. No, I'm so glad you're gigging, and and, uh, I hope you stay safe, man. Yeah, you too. Take care.